I V M. Hey everyone, welcome to Shunya One, episode one thirty nine. We are here with yet another very interesting conversation. I mean, just when we had like huge company last week, today we have a brand new company, but also someone who's raised like a massive amount of venture capital, whole new business. It's just. Crazy! It's a whole new domain, actually. What do you think, Amit? I remember when we got on the pre-call, right? And you called it a Series A instead of a seed, and it sounded like it should be a Series A, not a seed, right? Yes, so yeah, absolutely. Exactly. And really exciting business too, right? I mean, like the idea of you know, I mean, like conglomerates in some sense have gone a little out of style, and like you know, it's become more like be focused in what you do. But I, I like the exactly. idea of like a business controlling a bunch of different like synergistic businesses. It's great that it's uh, it's coming back in its own way. Yeah, and of course, we are, for everyone listening, we're talking to Bhavna Suresh, uh, the co-founder of Ten Club, uh, one of the hottest new rolled-up or thrashier-style businesses that you might have already have heard of in the market. I think it's going to be a really interesting chat, getting to know exactly what this domain is about, how this is poised to be a very interesting, uh, interesting play. Let's take a quick break first, and then we can go talk to her immediately right following that. All right. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the show, Bhavna. How are you doing? Very well. Thank you. How are you guys doing in Bombay Mansoons? Uh, we're sitting and watching rain. That's what I'm doing, at least. Best life ever. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the life. The life now for the next, well, couple of months for sure from the looks of it. Now it's finally started. We're in that. Now this is real monsoon phase. Yes, we can only hope that this broadcast and this... We're still talking about the monsoon and not the pandemic and being stuck at home because when people talk about months these days, I'm still confused. <laughs> Everyone's still talking about the last few months of the lockdown. We're still guessing. We're still doing that. Does it matter anymore? It matters, so I wonder. You, you sound like somebody who's not stepped out in a while because if you have stepped out, <laughs> yes. you realize that social skills have started deteriorating dramatically. So it really does matter. <laughs> <laughs> I think was, okay. a couple of weeks ago, okay. I stepped out and met people for the first time, and it took me a while. I was like, "Oh my god, five people! How do I make eye contact without a screen?" <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, having to Love. talk to people in a way which is not like so directly point to point, right? Generally, when you're talking to people on the phone or you're talking to people on a Zoom screen or something, it's like. This is what we need to talk about. Let's talk about this. And then after you might do a minute or two of hi, hello, right? But now when you actually meet people, you actually got to do small talk again. And that's uh, oh, that's proven to be a little bit of a challenge. Eye contact. I'm telling you, it's eye I'm, contact. I'm, <laughs> I'm dreading it. <laughs> Amazing. I am dreading it. So far, I'm going to be, I'm going to refrain from anything for the next few months for sure. Thanks to monsoon, thanks to pandemic, thanks to home scenes, whatever you might call it. So I'm going to push this problem away like we do with most things for a couple yeah, of months. Yeah, I'm it away. But thanks so much for being here. Thank you for coming to talk to us today. There's a lot which I want to talk to you about. Of course, I could introduce you in a number of ways, uh, given that you guys have been in the news uh, lately with so many, so many, for so many different reasons, right? Uh, but, but 10 Club is poised to do some amazing things. You guys have obviously raised a ton of money, uh, probably hit a record on the Series A amount. And uh, But you yourself have been an uh, entrepreneur. You've been uh, part, so, part of a lot of global sort of organizations. Could you tell us a little bit of your sort of backstory to set the context of why you got into what you're doing today? Sure. Uh, correction, it was not Series A, it was Seed. 
So we we strategically oh, wow. called it street. We were like, hey, you know, it it's first step. There are many more steps to go, but this is the first one. Yeah, you know, I'm sure you've had enough people come on the show and tell you the truth, right? I don't think many of us really strategically plan what we're doing. It's uh, one day at a time. The last two, two and a half years have been quite a blur. Uh, prior to 10 Club, I was in the Philippines building Southeast Asia's real estate platform. Um, that happened by chance. Prior to that, I was... So 10 Club is my third venture. My first venture was Style Bank, which I tried launching out of Paris for India. Uh, I was trying to build India's rent the runway in 2014. I think I was just enamored by the concept. I was enamored by potentially being in the fashion capital of the world. And I was like, how do I bring this to India at the right price? And that was maybe the 24-year-old in me who wanted to wear all of those clothes. And I was like, you know, there's no way I can afford to buy all of this. How can how can people like me kind of wear a lot more of it in India? I think that was my first ever entrepreneurial sprint, right? I think the whole idea of, when I look back at it, I think the same investors that I spoke to today, I've spoken to them in 2014. I think my conversation was so dramatically different. And it was interesting that, I mean, there are, you know, we kind of need, knew each other and there's been an evolution on both fronts to some extent. So I think that was that was mm-hmm. exciting this time around. Yeah, 2014 was that building um, a fashion rental platform for India. I think operationally, we struck ground. We didn't raise as much money. I think fundraising is a journey in itself that you have to learn to do. But operationally, it didn't work. Mm-hmm. So my second venture was setting up a real estate platform for Southeast Asia, the Moody, which I grew over a period of four and a half years. Um, for those of you who know Southeast Asia, I think like India, uh, it's a little hard to monetize. I would say a little harder than India to monetize, really. So for me, I think after the first journey, the second one was, it wasn't really a GMV play. It was how do you build something sustainably, but knowing that you have to monetize to sustain long-term, right? So I think it was always something from a business point of view that I was very fascinated with. I think I've, while I enjoy watching G, the GMV play, while I enjoy hyper growth, I think for me, it's always how do you make profit and how can you sustain yourself in the bargain? So yeah, build that over a Four and a half year period, we turned profitable. We've now become Philippines' largest real estate platform with a pretty significant presence in Southeast uh, in Indonesia. We got acquired by the end of 2019. Yeah. We got acquired. So just before the start of the pandemic, you know, I left to kind of celebrate the acquisition. Come Jan uh, 2020, when the acquisition happened, and we got locked out of the Philippines, so I couldn't. I could never go back. So managed an entire mm-hmm. M&A process through a pandemic, finished it in September, stepped step down, you know, wow. after four and a half years, handed it over. And yeah, I think life just hit, you know, we were, um, it's one of those phases where you suddenly, you have time and you're like, oh no, what do I do? I'm in the middle of a pandemic, I have time. And happened to be in Dubai where I met my co-founder. Um, today, his name is Joel. He's an American investor who's been watching the entire roll-up play happen globally. Um, so in September last year, Two, two weeks after I stepped down from the movie, uh, I said I was going to take a long sabbatical and chill. Uh, but 10 days later, I met Joel. And he introduced me to this he introduced me to this phenomenon. I'd heard about it. I think I was not paying too much attention to it. And we started talking about it. He was talking to me, obviously, from the lens of Southeast Asia, because that was a market I was more familiar with. And then we started looking at India and we spent three months together just understanding how this would potentially play out in India. And, you know, there was not too much noise. I think India is not an MA market. You know, people don't, especially in the small scale stage, there is no MA activity. So it was interesting, right? There was an American, there was me, and we were trying to have conversations one-on-one with a bunch of sellers to understand the landscape, understand the ecosystem, understand scale. And we were trying to figure out how this could play out in India if there was really an opportunity. And I think India is that market where everybody says no first. 
you know so everybody said no you yes. know the first three months it almost was like nobody was ready everybody was like this is never going to happen this is not an opportunity in India it's too small and I think cut six months in you know life changed I think the same whether it was from a capital point of view because again you know we did go raise 40 million dollars in seed but uh, 40 million for us will be spent very quickly you know it's not something that we can use for wow. a long period of time we, we will spend that money in the next few months right because a lot of that money wow. is going to be used to acquire businesses um so for us i keep calling it seed because it's the money that we use to prove a concept uh and then we'll have to kind of go raise a fair amount of money on top of that so this this business is capital intensive we needed to find the right founders to work with um and it's been a journey we've spoken to about 600 different sellers now in the span of 10 months we've actually identified our first 10 businesses um we've started already rolling up a couple of businesses and i think the third pillar to this whole thing is people right we had to build a pretty large organization to support all of this roll-up so uh, could, could you explain roll-up to people a little bit because i think as you mentioned like it's something that was unfamiliar to you i think that uh it's something that uh, some people know about but it's not really widely known right so what, yeah. what, what yeah. does roll-up mean right it's not as common as food tech or fintech yet but the way you said it <laughs> roll-up economy like creator economy yeah. clearly is a thing so yes yeah, so, I, you know, I think India calls it Thasio, which is really funny. Uh, you know, Thasio when you talk about Thasio, yes. yeah, the, like, I think Thasio is getting way too much PR. Great for them, like, full respect. And I'm like, man, it, what it would be to be a Carlos today and be like, the whole world calls their business a Thasio. It's interesting, but, uh, you know, I think to give everybody around the world you credit, not just NCLAB, it's, I think the roll-up model is anything that you can identify. Um, you know, you identify a business, you acquire it and you operate it. That entire journey is called a roll-up, right? So how do you roll a business into your portfolio and become a cohort company? The advantage here is that a lot of these marketplace-first businesses have very similar operating needs. You know, they have very similar functions and departments and teams that they require. So the understanding is, as one unit, how do you start scaling? at hyper, you know, at hyper velocity as such. But also, I think the inherent need for a roll-up model globally is they're profitable, right? Um, again, there can be different versions to this. Different people are going to try building it differently. I think India India's kind of stuck with two words, D2C and uh, Trasio. I think Trasio's yeah. replacement is a roll-up model and D2C is not everyone trying to build, build this is kind of trying to acquire D2C businesses. I think a lot of us are looking at digitally native businesses, right? So it's not that we're trying to acquire a direct-to-consumer business. It's more how is it a digi- digitally enabled business that we think there's growth and we kind of acquire it. Use too many words there. Do you want me to break anything down further? No, no. D two C we actually know. Yeah. D two C we know. I, and that's uh, to be honest, that's also like a bundle of things, right? Uh, but yeah. what it, I think, what people now understand is at least you're buying direct from a brand. Uh, in this yeah. case, uh, and just to sort of. Uh, yeah. you know dig a little deeper into the con- concept of the business you still are keeping those brands as is right you still sort of or at least uh, unless you intend to rebrand it you still want to sell those business operate those businesses seemingly independently for the consumer the consumer doesn't know that these are all sort of rolled up into one big conglomerate yeah. and is that no, intentional? Exactly. is that like uh, the objective 
yeah so i think the understanding here is it's two front right um i think to the end consumer you potentially acquire a business or partner with a founder to be able to piggyback and grow a business to a point where it's taken right none of these businesses are being bought at very early stage it's being bought at a stage where potentially you know it's like an exit opportunity for a seller where a lot of us who have been entrepreneurs know that there are only a couple of options for you to kind of have a liquidity event right it's either a public event which is very very difficult in an emerging market or it is to potentially get acquired right or there is a massive vc round where there's a second vc play for a founder to make some kind of money those are the only options yeah. from a founder's lens and i think what was happening at least in india was there was a, there was so much noise around funding and when you kind of break it down at a founder liquidity that was that's a big question mark right a lot of us know how little money actually ended up coming yeah. to the founders and how much of it was burnt in the process of building a business right so i think this is this is a parallel right. and that is what excited me right i think for me while i think it's a different breed of consumers or entrepreneurs who kind of take a vc route i think for me what was really exciting about this play was this is actually helping founders innovate faster kind of get to market faster you know you're you're kind of rewarded for the work that you do the first 2 to 3 years which honestly is the hardest period right if you can survive 2 to 3 years of your first build you've kind of found a niche right mm. and then after that is about scale and i think that's where we come in right mm. we're like hey you know if you can break out and find that wide space and break it and take it to a particular level in a category then you start bringing in efficiencies and processes and you know the right talent to kind of zoom this out and kind of really grow it and it necessarily doesn't just have to be capital right i think that's where we come from we're saying capital is important but you also need the right processes and you also need the right people and if your people and processes can be shared and your capital can be used well do we all have to destroy too much uh, wealth in the process i think that's mm. that's the idea and and is this also something unique to sort of the challenges in the sort of consumer goods space or is it like you said any digital native business like has can this be done for let's say a content company also versus just a physical goods company is that opportunity arbitrage not so great there versus is it much better qualified that's what they're doing yeah <laughs> well, that's what they're doing yeah, so- i mean Yeah I think it's happening it's it's an M&A play at the end of the day with operating capabilities right I think that's and it's again a roll up model is being spun out in different places there's a huge F&B play from what we hear right now that's kind of spinning out at least in India not not as yeah. much outside I think what's happening globally you know there's a lot of that and it makes sense right I think the idea is it's it's basically giving rise to it's it's incentivizing entrepreneurs to come out there and build right because two three years you potentially have an exit opportunity and you get to become so it's a two prong way to look at it right uh, the brand that you build continues to be the brand it is and hence you get to see it grow yeah. with the right team and you get the opportunity for a financial benefit right so from an individual's point of view both kind of will be achieved and it's a less risky way to build right it's basically saying i start off but if 10 of us are going to try building and competing with each other is that better than kind of joining hands and building something big together i think that's the lens that most people are looking at our place at and even within all of the people trying to build up the roller play in india i think each of us have a very different thing right i mean it may not seem very clear right now because i think all of us it kind of comes down to the kind of businesses we roll in right whether it kind of breaks down at a category level whether it comes down to the kind of consumers right. we're trying to target you know all of us are going to try picking our little space and we're going to operate in that space right and i think that's what's interesting about this play it's not a one player model at all right while i think there's a lot of boys in the media and everyone's trying to bet on who's going to win the us today yeah. has about 22 different uh 22 different more businesses building this and all highly profitable 
profitable and all growing aggressively right yeah. and we truly well i think the us is a different sized market but i think that's that's what's interesting about this model right it's it's not one it's there can be many of us operating at different scales different capabilities and different sectors like the cloud kitchen one is new now i think there is a different one that's going to apply for fnb a different one for lifestyle a different a different one for home you know and i think that's that's how this is yeah. going to play out will it kind of get down it's into about how you play? yeah It's be, yeah, it's how you pool just, your resources or how you pool your skills, I guess. Yeah, it's it's. I think it takes a little bit of the taboo around selling your business, which I think was there a few months ago. You know, I think the when people were not very sure that this was okay. I think in the next few months, so once there are a few more entrepreneurs who selling, we celebrate it a little bit more. I think that context of selling your business is not going to be that hard. That's actually a. that's i mean i want to this small uh, yeah. detail on that as well because you said you spent some time in india yeah. trying to sort of break see if this was even a you know something people were okay to do and yeah. uh, again my anecdotally what i do know is like you what are, the impression i have is the same right that most indian entrepreneurs or not the new age ones let's not ignore the ones maybe who are who are current with global themes and they are looking for liquidity but the original traditional indian business owner is also a sort of hey i want to build this as a lifestyle business right uh, most of them don't even start companies with a venture in mind they start them with like profit like you said earlier and a lifestyle business in mind which is a sustainable one that will give them money for forever how do you get those guys to convert or do you even or is that not the audience you're looking for you're looking only for the folks who are out there to sort of create brands and exit yeah so you know we i've spoken about this a few times so i'll, I'll you know i think it's coming of age of an ecosystem right i think it's not my my nuance to this is you know if it was two decades ago the concept of venture capital wasn't even there right i mean it was not even a concept right. that people thought about it was you start a business you bootstrap it you run it the way you have to next kind of open the doors for debt right you could go to a bank and take a loan and kind of grow your business that was an opportunity i think a little over a decade ago is where venture capital even started to kind of open up as an opportunity and as a concept and you know now it's become very acceptable right where taking venture venture capital money also was i think a little bit of a taboo a few years ago right it was why don't you just bootstrap this and why do you have to take external money why do you have to dilute and that's been normalized a little bit right and i think we are the hmm. fourth door right and i think the fourth door can only come to play when the ecosystem is growing if the ecosystem is too tiny there is no option for ha- to have so millions i think we're yeah. well This is not what I'm saying. I think in in a span of six months, we have seen how different things have gotten. Right um, from no, I mean, I think when nobody else is having this conversation, obviously the first instinct is who are these people? They want to buy my business a hundred percent. They're going to pay me money. There was a valuation disconnect. Yeah. You know, everybody was trying to get us to value their business on an X of top line because they were valuing the business like a venture capital and we had to be like no 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 this is not how it works this a concept of present value in your valuation which means this is the capital in your pocket today not 5 years from now this is for you and yeah. not for the business so you know i think there was a lot of that correction and what's changed in a mass span of 6 months i think and that is i think this is what's beautiful about india right the same people who had said no have come back with the most innovative ways to make a deal happen and they're like nahi aise wow. karo aise karo aur aise karo and then we'll do it and we're like okay great let's do it so i think it's the start of something new uh i think yeah. with india the differentiation compared to potentially the us and this we were very clear about is i don't think we can run a business without the founder 
right? So for us, we find a way to kind of work with the founder and that's where the founder becomes very important for us. So for at least at 10 Club, the founder chemistry is a really important player, you know? So we do acquire the business, but the Got founder it. comes and becomes part of our team and works with us for a particular amount of time. And that may vary, right? Some founders Got work it. with us for a year. Well, some founders and us get along really well and have decided to be with us for the long haul. Got it. In fact, on that note, I'm going to uh, take a quick break, come back and actually dig into, first of all, why this is called 10 Club and, and more about how your business actually operates. But let's take a quick break and come back. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. We're obviously talking to uh, Bhavna about uh, her venture 10 Club. And Bhavna, the question I had just before we went into break, why 10 Club? What's unique about the name? And I know it's a very random question, but it's roll-up economy is new. So it's... No, no, I think it's a very relevant question, right? I think naming your venture is like naming your baby. It takes a little time, especially when you have multiple co-founders. Yeah. So yeah, we're three, three of us. I wish I had a more romantic story to tell. Uh, it's not a very romantic one. It's very structured, you know. Um, in these kind of businesses, when you kind of acquire a business, uh, you know, the kind... The back of hand calculation is the business has to grow 10 for you and the mm-hmm. founder and for everybody to kind of make the kind of wealth that you want to or kind of the impact that you want to. And it was it was a number that we were landing up at more often than not, right? So if you buy, if you acquire a business that's doing 10 crores annual revenue, you have to take it to 100 for everybody in the whole space to kind of be excited and for all of us to actually create value, right? So that was the math. It was most businesses have to be grown mm-hmm. 10x, not in a span of a year or two years. I think it is, again, because we're trying to grow sustainable businesses, it's over 36 to 48 months, right? So I think we put we put the goal in our name and we said, it's less we forget. So that's that's why we're ten club. All right, wonderful. So I want to ask, like uh, again, we spoke a little bit about roll up and stuff like that, right? The kind, uh, the, so what are the categories that you're looking at, right? Because I mean, like as we said, there are a lot of different categories out there. I read that there is a preference towards e-commerce kind of stuff and that kind of uh, sellers and those kinds of things. But are you looking at specific categories, or are you looking at like just e-commerce generally, or is there like like what are you all looking at? Yeah, so e-commerce is I would kind of reduce that even further, right? At least at ten club we're going marketplace first, right? So we're not even looking at businesses that are only doing brand.com. We're looking at a lot of businesses that, so we've simplified it, right? I think for us, brand.com is a different play. You know, it's, um, you need to acquire customers and you need to create brand value. And there's a lot of brand conversation around it. I think it's not that we're not having those conversations. What we've started with and the businesses that we've kind of partnered with initially are a lot of businesses that, get 80 to 90% of their traction from mm-hmm. potentially an Amazon or a Flipkart, right? So it's a marketplace first business. And the good thing here is, you know, once you gain a particular traction, we step in to help them branch out to other avenues, right? So I think that's a different skill. And I think that's that's the skill that we think we'll be good at. So that's a question. Uh, categories, honestly, we're not very fussy, right? The idea is we're having conversations and we're trying to see synergies, but for us, being profitable is really important, right? Any business that has not tried uh, focusing on margins is not an active conversation we're having yet, right? And I think it's also changing with a lot of founders, right? Because a lot of founders were out there trying to raise VC money and hence they were trying to grow top line aggressively and not really focusing on margins. But what we've come to realize is a lot of businesses can become profitable if they focus and their focus kind of changes a little bit, right? And then it becomes an exciting conversation for us, right? So 
at this point we're talking to everybody and we're trying to see where we can help them turn profitable and kind of focus on margins and growth right i think couple of businesses that we've not done is we've not done fashion actively we think it's one large segment and it's a really huge one i think it's an interesting play but we're looking at everything else that is but not fashion fashion only because we think it's a little seasonal and you need specialized capabilities to do fashion we're not ready yet for that right so we were, we're focusing on everything else that's not fashion and then maybe in a few months we will start actively looking at fashion i had one other question which you can not answer if you don't want to answer but sure. uh, what's the typical ticket size of a acquisition that you're making and if you could expand on that versus the kind of revenue that a and again this entirely if you want to or answer however you're comfortable this might be too specific no i'm happy to right. answer it you know so here's the thing in jan when we started having conversations we were looking at businesses that were doing i'll talk, i'll talk in crores and not in dollars you know we were talking to businesses that were doing 5 or 6 uh five or six crores annually you know and we thought those were sizable businesses but today we're talking to businesses that do 70 80 100 crores a year right so uh i think the conversation is we don't look at it just from the size of the business right for us it is what are you doing in revenue of course and then in relation to the category that you're operating in is there's any use for us to come in also right i mean if we're going to come in and you're running a business beautifully and we don't believe we can optimize you in any way or we cannot help you in any way it makes no sense for us to put money forward to acquire the business right for us right. at the end of the day we only put you know capital up front and say hey you know we're going to take this opportunity and we're going to partner because we truly believe we can bring value and grow this to a large extent mm-hmm. again 10x rule right if you're not able to look at this business from a 10x growth point of view it may not make sense for anyone right so i think that's right. very clear um so when we're having conversations with people who do 50 60 crores annually it is because we truly believe together we can take this business to 500 or 600 crores in a period right. of time right but for us the valuation is always on a multiple on the ebitda mm-hmm. right okay. so a lot of the businesses that we talk to do about 15% at least in ebitda okay. right and that those are healthy businesses pretty margins. large yeah that's a healthy margin for an e-commerce business isn't it so that's a difference right i think people who intend to make it profitable there's always an opportunity for it to be profitable i think where mm-hmm. a lot of people lose money is in the cac play when you're trying to deeply grow your business very quickly and you go after gmv and you lose too much money in cac is when your margins fall right so right. a lot of businesses that have found the moat and they're growing organically and sustainably usually their margins are in this play and that's that's interesting for us right so anywhere between 10 15% is what we look at and it's always a multiple on that right so we pay about anywhere between 3 to 6 5x of a multiple as an upfront commitment right okay. depending on how fast you're growing and then for us interestingly depending on the founder and the founder's motivation there is there is a revenue uh, there's a profit share that happens over a period of time while we take care of everything else you always acquire uh, let's say the entire business like even though you like you said there's some models where there's profit sharing and what not but the intention is to wholly own it and you know operate it like you said yeah so you know for us we've taken a stance saying 100% acquisition right because i think that's what gives right. the entrepreneur and founder the most value upfront right uh, and right. i think the intention here is if you're getting that kind of liquid money today it's only in your benefit right. and then it gets a little complicated right if you buy only x percent of a business and ten club kind of continues to inflow uh, infuse growth capital take care of all the manpower costs take care of all the costs and the value continues to grow so i think it's 
it's a mix. Um, we've tried keeping it clean for everybody, and we're like, hey, you know, if we give you only sixty percent of the value today, we're taking away that present value from you. So the intention here is we try buying businesses hundred percent out, and then over a period of time, there is an earn out of sorts where the founder stays and actually benefits from the growth. Got it. See, you have you mentioned earlier that your focus area is now marketplace businesses. I have a tangential uh, question around that because you know the marketplace businesses are obviously the ones which sell primarily on my marketplaces. That's what you meant, right? Not the ones which are e-com marketplaces themselves. We say marketplace businesses first because we've only seen margins in those businesses. Anyone trying right. to build independently. Right. Our theory, we've not we've not come across anybody who's done it organically and not kind of branched out onto the marketplace for it to be uh, right. profitable, right? I think that's the only thing. Uh, right. Are we having conversations with independent players? Of course we are, uh, but it's the same place, right? It kind of comes back to hey, we were building for GMV, you know, and maybe profitability sure. two years away, so it gets a little hard. So my question was the ones which do sell on marketplaces. Obviously, there you you're saying uh, they're profitable, and we see these brands everywhere. So many brands have sort of literally been found on Amazon or anywhere else, right? And then they become the D two C. We identify them as direct yeah. consumer brands afterwards. Yeah. But what is the what? What about the threat which actually was also which still seems to loom for those brands like the. You know how Amazon does Amazon Basics, and you think, yeah. what if Amazon Basics does the same thing? Is was that the original concept of what Rollup is, and now you've sort of taken that aside, or is that threat still there, or how do you mitigate it, or is th- does yeah. your additional backing help them uh, mitigate that? I think it's multifold. Right? I think. I mean, this is a very layered question. So I think all of us have our little theory around I'm sorry. this. Right? I'm <laughs> no, no, you can. no, no, no. I am, I'm happy to, I, I'm happy to, I think, but your guess is as good as mine. I think what we've decided and the call that we've taken at 10 Club is at the end of the day, Flipkart, Amazon, they're all marketplaces, right? For them, a lot of their survival is also around third-party sellers. They do need merchants outside while they continue to have private labels of their own. They can never only be a private, private label uh, provider, right? And I think there's enough of a regulatory question around if this is possible or not around the world, including India. So I think while they're trying to figure out this answer themselves, I think the uh, piece that we take back is there is always a deep uh, merchant play. And that is what we're banking on, right? Where X percent can potentially always go to a private label. And it's a battle we cannot control, uh, right? The piece here is with us and players like us, we will always be the top performing third party sellers on these platforms, right? I think the people who potentially are at threat are the long-tail, long-tail merchants, right? And for us, that is not a concern. So I think that's that's a play. Um, I think there's, a, there's going to be so much of a regulatory change there that it's something that none of us are trying to second-guess. Where like, you know, it's even in the US and places where they've tried questioning this and, you know, they, it's been a question mark for a lot of players. I think they've all come past it and they're like, you know, there's place for everybody. And uh, if you're if you're constantly getting better and doing better and you're coming on top, maybe there will be somebody, they will eat a little push, uh, portion of your share, but will they ever get a hundred percent of it? I think the answer is no. Right? So I think that's, that's, that's the play. That's where there's also a spinoff of potentially launching brand.com, right? I mean, it is important to kind of segue into that. So for us, we believe we come at a point where, um, some of these founders are top selling providers on an Amazon and Flipkart and are on that verge of breaking out to kind of go independent. And we want to be part of that going independent journey because we want to do that organically. 
if you don't do that organically very quickly you'll start eating into your margins and all the value that you've created kind of gets lost so i think that's those are the kind of businesses that we're looking for we're looking for people who've come to that pivot point and then they're like okay now let's go on further together you got it interesting and thanks thanks for answering that because that's what we we've seen that we've seen the private label uh, thing happen even by the way even in the the homegrown marketplaces like we've seen that in like the grocery folks and so on right i mean eventually you've tried to be a marketplace and you realize the margins are in being a private label operator and stuff like that uh quick follow up is separate to this you know now that you guys obviously have raised your your yourselves are venture funded uh, and obviously that means you you obviously have some sort of liquidity event planned for yourself as well right is this just too many layers for uh, for just how funding and you know value gets created because the same vcs who are funding you could have funded those guys directly but obviously now they're doing that through you so uh, i i get the efficiencies of scale but what what's an exit for you basic simple what's an exit for us to ask the same question no uh, what's an exit opportunity for us i think um, i mean there's a trasio setting example right i mean they're they're getting ready to spac mm-hmm. sometimes soon so i think a public event is very yeah. clear for them right right uh, i think with zomato setting that ground for a lot of players in india i think for us there is there is hope right i think for a young venture thinking of going public in india was quite a big uh, it was a question i think for us very clearly mm-hmm. that's our outlet right? i think there is there's a constant conversation about being profitable because i think that is the right way to go public again in my books right and i right. think for us the playbook that we have ensures that we continue to remain margin positive and for all of us i think that's the focus it's it's we get too expensive for anybody else very quickly right so i think the way is if we can build this the right way and do it sustainably over the next few years i think going public is definitely the, the clear outcome and then there are parallel right. conversations right there is there are large private equity firms that want to get into this space but it's too risky as a conversation for any of them right now i mean you know these businesses are too right. too, too too small but working with partners like us makes it a lot more exciting and you become a vertical so i think there is that as a conversation so there's strategic mergers that are very very exciting as a op- opportunity um going back to our funding cycle i think what's interesting about all of us is we're not just venture back right we're venture back and debt back so i think we've taken two options and fused mm-hmm. them and be- become become the third option right so we're a hybrid of sorts and that's what's exciting and um, i think what needs to be remembered and we get this question a lot right is isn't it competition uh, you know is it is this competition with a venture world and i think the answer is clearly no yeah. you know the venture world funds such a small segment of the market i think we potentially become the offset saying you know the venture world will back a few players and they will kind of look for hyper growth right for them it is the one in 10 option that succeeds for us we don't have that yeah. right for us it is every business that rolls in there is no you can't it's not a game of dice here right i think for us a lot a lot of them have to turn profitable because we are putting money to it right so for us we're making our yeah. bet and 100% of our bets have to work Right, so I think that's the difference. Here. Yeah, the the VCs have basically outsourced a lot of their plans to you. Uh, from the sound <laughs> of it, they're saying, "Oh, great! Now we don't have to worry about ten of these companies. Let's just worry about and uh, give them all the money." Nice. Yeah. Let Let's hope. I I yeah. We had Fireside on our side backing us very early, so it was very interesting. Very cool. Very cool. So uh, I mean, Bhavna, 
what next? I mean, I'd love to like get your sort of closing notes on what does the next 18 months odd typical or maybe wow. sooner. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 because I you said seed. Has... typically seeds last that much, but you, you said yourself that it won't. So I'm sure you guys are going to be like in triple digit million series A or something like that. <laughs> but what, what yeah, does so the next, uh, you know, uh, rollout happen? Yeah. So, you know, um, like I said, I think the first six months was just wrapping our head around where things lie, where the multiples lie, getting the getting the market a little excited, realizing that we're not going to take people's money and run away. You know, there was a lot of that also with founders where we're like, we're not going to take your business and run away. You know, we're a proper venture. Uh, so I think all of that has been established. I think while India has a lot of like entrepreneurial spirit, there's a lot of like fear in a lot of us, right? Because there are so many gray areas. You know, everybody everybody's constantly worried about who's going to cheat whom. So I think that's kind oh, of been yeah. taken... No, it's it's true, right? It's everyone's always thinking about this deal seems too good. What is the catch? Uh, so you know, I think the idea is, I think those are cups. Zero trust early. economy. Yeah. Zero trust, and I I really hope that changes quick enough, right? I think all of us have to make a little bit of an effort to say, you know, it's at least in our business, right? We have um, LOIs that get signed, right? Where we sign letter of intent, and usually a lot of them have exclusivity clauses in them because you know after you sign yeah. an LOI, there is a deep process that all of us follow. But people keep hunting for deals in that period, right? And it's quite funny. Yeah. You are like, man, this has to be a win-win for all of us. Otherwise, you know, it's not taking money and walking. This is we have to work together from here. So I think all of those challenges, I think we've kind of come past a little bit. Um, like I said, we have 10 businesses now. And over the next few months, we're going to start operating all of them. That uh, We want to put our head down and really operate. And while we operate, I think we're having hundreds of conversations to see which businesses kind of complement these businesses that we have. And yeah, I think that's the play. We've uh, just started growing our team. We have 20, we have a 25 member really senior team. So we went where we said we'll go unlike a lot of startups and not go junior, but go hire all the generals first. So wow. we've got really, really, really senior folk who joined us. And I, I believe who know way more than any of us. Right? And like deep supply chain capabilities being built out, deep, you know, uh, sourcing procurement capabilities being built out because that was what was going wrong. And the last 18 months, we realized supply chain for India was really, really broken because of the lockdown. So there's a lot of work going there yeah. that needs to be done. So that's going to be our next six months. And I think if we do all of this, the A, B, C, all of that will come. Nice, nice. And where do you want to do a shout out to where people can maybe... Uh, reach out to whoever's listening here. Uh, are you on Twitter or uh, LinkedIn is better where people can look up your website, whatever. Yeah. So we have our website and we're a very small team. And for those of you who reached out to me on LinkedIn, you know, I'm always awake. I'm always replied. Like I get messages on 30 seconds as I reply. So I think that's, that's the story with everybody. Um, you know, we're having all conversations and I think no conversation is big or small right now. And the idea is if it's not time to do uh, something together now, I'm sure in six months it is. So uh, yeah, we're, we're always happy to have a conversation. I'm not on Twitter, not very big on Twitter. Uh, I've been forced to come on Twitter, but I think Twitter has too many opinions and I can't handle it. But <laughs> LinkedIn is a more safer space for me. So I'm always on LinkedIn. Well, uh, also, I'd just like to remind everybody really quickly, please do a rating or a review wherever you're listening to this. Uh, it is massively helpful. So if you're on Apple or if you're on Spotify or if you're on CastBox, wherever you're listening to this, just please do a rating for the podcast. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you so much, Bhavda. This was enlightening, to say the least. And of course, massive, massive congratulations on this 
uh, on just the sheer ambition of this. I mean, it's amazing. Uh, kudos to you and the whole team. Thank I'm you. sure you guys will leave your mark, uh, needless to say. So, and look forward to the forward Thank to you. the next six months and more. Uh, we'll we'll be watching for sure. Thank you. We're working awesome. really hard, so hopefully everything falls into place. Thanks so much.